Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I want to talk about a former NASA administrator who, who blames China uh, for most of our UFOs. Uh, there's a lot of different articles that have come out the last few days on this. Uh, I'm going to use one that appeared in the mirror. Anyway, the headline reads, NASA chief says UFOs are real, but could be China using unfriendly advanced technology. And it says here, China may be behind UFOs thanks to its, quote, unfriendly, end quote, advanced technology, the former head of NASA's Unidentified Flying Objects Inquiry believes. Dr. Thomas Zerbuchen, the space agency's longest-serving administrator, was asked to head up the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena panel in 2022 and has offered his take on the findings. He also suggests that there could genuinely be evidence for life on other planets, but appeared to point the finger elsewhere for recent events. Okay. So, see what you're doing here? What, what did I talk about before? I always talk about this. It's a, uh, they're, 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 it's a shiny object. You know, look at the shiny object, everyone. See it? See this shiny object? That's China. So Chinese spy balloons. Chinese spy drones, Russian drones, maybe even. Maybe they'll throw that in there pretty soon. It's from somewhere else. See that? Don't worry about extraterrestrials. Look at the shiny object, you idiots. Yeah, that's what it's all Chinese spy balloons and drones. That's all it is. Nothing to see here. Nothing to worry about. Spooky Chinese spy balloons. Worry about that. They're looking at you right now when you walk out your door. Be real careful. That's what it might. Those Chinese are spying on you. They might be in your house right now with little bugs looking at you. We don't know. We're trying to figure it out. See this shiny object? Don't worry about extraterrestrials. Don't worry about those things that David Grush is telling you. Look at the shiny object instead. Chinese spy balloons. So that's what we're. That's what's going on here, folks. All this is is it's a continued effort uh, to get to take make people think about something else that's all this is and that's what Zerbukin's doing he's just doing his job as the retired administrator for NASA that's what he's doing anyway let's continue with this article he said he said it was important to question whether Chinese spy balloons might be to blame after one was shot down by U.S. fighter pilots earlier this year Dr. Zerbukin who recently joined ETH Zurich said explained the conversations convinced him that extraterrestrial life could exist yeah he's talking they could exist out there but it ain't here don't uh, that stuff coming here those people that say they saw stuff don't listen to those people <laughs> no. but worry about them chinese spy balloons Ooh, scary spooky even now let's just stop here for a second of course uh, Chinese spy balloons, it's a bunch of nonsense, really, when you think about it. I mean, of course, there's Chinese spy balloons. Of course, there's Chinese spy drones. Of course, there's spy satellites, and not just from China, but from other countries, too, right? Of course, we have our own spy balloons, I am almost certain. The United States, spy satellites, spy drones. We have all kinds of spy stuff floating around there, but it doesn't explain the UFO extraterrestrial phenomena. It doesn't explain that little uh, creature that was traipsing around my bedroom when I was a kid that only had had three digits on its hand and it was most certainly decidedly not human whatever this thing was right it doesn't explain that it doesn't explain the object that i saw floating around over a fishing pond back in 1994 right then there was somebody else there a witness we both saw it together right it doesn't explain that it doesn't explain the aerial school incident none of these things do they don't wait they don't ever you never notice none of these nasa people never talk about that stuff oh don't talk about that oh god no 
Anyway, continuing here, it says the Pentagon claimed the Chinese balloon was that was shot down off the coast of South Carolina in February was part of a large surveillance program that China has been running for a number of years. China went on to claim it was a civilian balloon used for meteorological research and sharply criticized the United States for shooting it down. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, of course, if Chinese spy balloon, Chinese meteor balloon, whatever, it doesn't matter. Chinese are sending out balloons. Some of them are most certainly spy balloons, of course. I expect our uh, intelligence uh, officials and, and Department of Defense to take care of these things. That's why they're there, right? I mean, they, they're supposed to handle these kind of things. So that's why are we worried about this stuff? Anyway, why are, yeah, why are civilians have to worry about Chinese spy balloons when you walk out to your car, they're looking down at you, spying on you. That's what you should be focused on. Don't worry about extraterrestrials. Worry about them Chinese spy balloons. They're hovering everywhere. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> the whole balloon phenomenon we cannot ignore because if we ignore what we see, then we will suddenly get surprised, Zerbukin said. Not only did I talk to pilots, I talked to individuals who had sightings, and they were really convinced. I really felt they told me the subjective truth. They were not lying. They were not making things up. The fact that there are unexpected phenomena, unexplained, excuse me, the fact that there are unexplained phenomena is not a question for me. What they are and what they mean and how we prove they exist is something that needs more work. There could be multiple explanations. If we are, if we are looking at technology, then it may then it may not be friendly, and that is something we sh we should know. Now, again, who cares? Who cares about Chinese? I don't care. Of course, that's what the Department of Defense intelligence community. They're supposed to worry about that stuff, not the civilian. Not so, what are we worried about? We're not talking about that. We're talking about flying objects that do things that our flying objects are incapable of doing. That's what we're talking about. But these idiots, they think, see, this is how uh, officials, uh, the, the people that are in charge, right? NASA, Pentagon, wherever, they all think we're a bunch of idiots, right? So that they just say stuff like this. Yeah, don't worry about it. It could be it could be anything but if they they take they, they forget about the part about the little beings right the beings that are in some of these objects the, the, they, they, that part's completely non-existent here as far as they're concerned they never talk about it and when they do they act like it's funny and they, they laugh about it <laughs> and they call it little green men <laughs> anyway continuing here uh, he continues, he says, it could be technology from other places on Earth, and that would be pretty scary. Ooh, yeah. Chinese spy balloons. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, that's scary. Oh, my God. They're going to see me get in my car and driving down the highway. Oh, be afraid. They'll see me going into the grocery store. Oh, my gosh. It should be a natural phenomenon. It could be a natural phenomenon like luminescent clouds. Oh, creepy clouds. You got to watch out for those. Oh, or something we've never seen before. And that would be pretty interesting. Or it could be some kind of camera problem that occurs, he told the Telegraph. Yeah, so it's a camera problem. Yeah, uh, that uh, flying saucer that you saw that was doing uh, 10,000 miles per hour and then stopped on a dime and then went off, shot off in another direction. That was just a camera, camera uh, anomaly. Anyway, continuing here. <clears throat> Professor Greg Agilian, meanwhile, believes that trends and events could have influenced UFO sightings. He said, like most things in history, the answer lies more likely in a confluence of events and trends. The discovery of thousands of exoplanets by astronomers since the 1990s has made life on other planets appear more likely than previously thought, and the development of drones has contributed to spikes in UFO sightings. So it's all easily explained it's just that people are just seeing drones that's all they are 
Uh, and I guess all these people who see beings and those people who get abducted in the middle of the night or in the middle of the day or whenever, they're just all crackpots. And uh, people who uh, well, blow the whistle in the Congress, they're just, uh, they're on PTSD. They can't be trusted. They, they're suffering from PTSD. You can't trust those people. So just listen to us. You know, we're telling you right now, it's just uh, Chinese spy balloons and, and uh, nonsense like that. It's nothing major. You know, go to sleep. Anyway, continuing. Uh, this uh, Agijian. Why do these people have so hard to pronounce names? Why can't it just be a simple name like mine? Quark. Look how simple that is. Anyway, he goes on. He says, The development of new sensors and sophisticated spying technologies has made it possible for militaries to detect anomalies more precisely. It has also made concerns about bad actors surveilling military operations more pressing. And speculation about UFOs has always thrived in environments where questions are being raised about the trustworthiness of authorities and experts. Okay, there you go. That's that story. Yeah, these people, you got to watch out. It's like whack-a-mole every day. A new official sticks his head up out of the ground. It's just Chinese spy balloons. Then he put in another official sticks his head up. It's just a Russian drone. Then another official sticks Look out for those cumulus clouds. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about here, man. That's not what I'm talking about. I just want the truth already, everybody. That's all I want. All every, all people people who are watching this channel, we just want the truth. We know there's something here. We're tired of this stupidity, the way these people treat us. That's what we're sick of. Yeah, uh, so don't don't worry about it. Uh, these people are just what what they're doing. This is all. This is a, a phony, uh, a phony presentation by these people. They're I don't know if they're like being told to say these stupid things or if they're acting on their under under their own accord on their own on their under their own steam or what. I don't know how this is getting worked out right, but it's not working because for people like me and a lot of other people who who know for a fact that there's uh, intelligent beings here that are have technology that's far surpasses what anything you uh, anything that we humans have it's not working it just looks silly to us it looks silly so silly <sighs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, moving on. Uh, somebody, uh, one of my followers, sent me a uh, an article. It was about an, an abduction event that happened in Derbyshire, England, in 1995. It was one I never heard of before. And uh, actually, this was uh, uh, it was written about in a book by uh, uh, it's called, a book called Alien Investigator: The Case Files of Britain's Leading UFO Detective by Tony Dodd. And this article uh, was written uh, 
was written by Marcus Loathe, and it's on a website called UFO Insight. And I want to talk about this case. Uh, it's very interesting. And the reason I want to talk about it, because it did, it did have a similarity to my uh, childhood experience uh, in one way. Uh, and that is that the beings that these uh, people saw, they only had three digits on their hand. And I just want to be, uh, let people know uh, who haven't heard this story. I've actually get a lot of questions. People who were just started listening to this uh, podcast, they were, oh, I, uh, what was your experiences? Well, uh, the first one I had was in 1977 when I was a kid. And I wake up in the, I was uh, eight going almost nine years old at the time. I wake up in the middle of the night and I was sleeping. It was a summertime. I had a blanket over my head, a thin blue blanket. I, and we, and the light was on. I used to sleep in an attic and the light was on right at the top of the steps. It was the, a bright light. There was no shade on it. The whole room was illuminated. And my brother Davey, he slept on the other side of the room and I was on the other, uh, on the opposite side. And in between us, there was uh, steps going up and, uh, and so I wake up in the middle of the night to this this loud humming sound, like this. It sounded like an electronic humming sound, like and it was constant the whole time. This whole event lasted for twenty minutes. That humming sound never quit. It just kept on going. But what was worse was I could see through the blanket. It was a very thin blue blanket, and I could see clearly there was something standing by my bed, and it and it had an, on its hand. It only had three fingers, and they were like thick at the bottom, and it came to almost points at the tips, and it was. Getting getting closer to my head and then further away closer to my head and further away closer to my head the further away it just kept on doing this for the whole time right and i'm laying there wondering what the hell's going on and I'm, i start asking like who's there what's going on and that thing just kept on doing this right and I, I'm, I'm wondering what's going on and the sound was it was overwhelming it was overpowering and i'm scared out of my mind i didn't want to look i was thinking it was the devil and i i didn't want to look peek out of the blanket to see what it was so i i was able to peek in the op- out of the blanket in the opposite direction to see where my brother was and he was sleeping sound asleep and he was facing toward me and i started yelling toward him screaming toward him and i could notice that that sound was somewhat muffling my voice because it was so loud right this electronic humming sound or buzzing sound and he's not waking up. In fact, he didn't budge. He's not budging. And now I'm really horrified. I start screaming at the top of my lungs for my mom and my dad, right? Nobody's coming to the rescue. And their bedroom was right down below me, uh, right down below the attic. And they're not coming. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, and it's, they're just not coming. And then I'm laying there looking at this thing, and I could see it. I could see that. I knew that there's like some creature standing there, and I could see its arm. I could see the arm through the blanket. And just, it's getting closer to my, with this weird hand, getting closer to my where my head is, and then further away. And I'm just laying there looking at it, scared out of my mind. And I'm, you know, all of my cries for help, they didn't work. So then I just started praying. I would close my eyes and I'm, oh my God, you know, say all my prayers uh, and nothing. And I opened my eyes back up and it's still there. It just would not go away. And this, this whole thing lasted for 20 minutes. And uh, so at some point uh, i i just passed out i don't know how just like i'm, I'm scared out of my mind my the adrenaline's uh, flying through my body but then somehow i just passed out and i wake up the next morning like nine o'clock nine thirty ten o'clock in the morning something like that and i went running downstairs uh it, it, this was a weekday uh, it was you know it's, there was no school at the time it was in the summertime <clears throat> And I went running down telling my mom and I'm you know, pleading with her. You got it for like an hour or two hours straight. I don't know how long it was. I know it was for a long time trying to tell her that this really happened. There was something in the room and she kept on saying it was a dream. My dad gets home from work. He says the same thing. It's a, you know, just a dream. And I, I realized that, that during a point during that day, I remember, remember stopping in my tracks and just thinking to myself, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's gonna, I know this is real, but nobody's going to believe me. 
And I didn't know what it was. It wasn't until like at least 10 years later where I saw some TV show about aliens and alien abduction where I, that's where I, that's what I realized what it was. I had no idea. I thought it was something from hell. I actually, that's what I really thought. I was very scared. Every time I thought about this, I was really scared. Uh, and then I realized it was some, uh, most likely an alien actually years later. That's what it had to be. What else could it have been? It wasn't human. Whatever this thing was, it wasn't human. And it had the ability, whatever that sound was or whatever, I have no idea what that was, but whatever was going on, the, the, these things had this thing, or I don't know how many was in the house. For all I know, there was a couple other ones traipsing around downstairs, you know, who knows? I have no idea. But there was one that was standing right by my bed, all right? I, I, that's one thing I do know, right? And what, 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 what were they doing? But they have the ability uh, to just conk everyone out in the whole house. And for some reason, I woke up in the middle of this and I'm laying there for 20 minutes and then somehow I passed back out. So that's how I know. That's one of the reasons why I know. And then in 1994, during a fishing trip, of course, I saw a craft along with another witness in the middle of the night that was within 20 feet and only two and a half stories off the ground, made no sound, had three giant lights on the front of it. This thing was as big as a house and it moved in directions that our aircraft cannot do and, and, and moved incredibly close to treetops. There's just no way that we have any kind of technology that, that could mimic what I saw that night in 1994. So I know, right? I know for a fact. And that, but this story here, there was some uh, similar, there was at least one similarity to my childhood uh, incident. And that's why I want to uh, go over this story. Anyway, uh, they don't say the first names of the people. Um, it just says, it just goes by it, their full names. It just has their first names. And it says here, the hot July evening in the summer of 1995 would present Mike and Debbie with an opportunity to invite their close friends and neighbors, Steve and Annie, around for some cold drinks and a last-minute barbecue. Needless, needless to say, the evening, the evening would also present them with an experience as life-changing as it was terrifying. It was shortly after 10 p.m. when Mike first lit the barbecue. By 10.40 p.m., chicken legs, burgers, and sausages were on the griddle. Each of them sat around a small garden table nursing a pint glass of ice-cold cider. Quite literally, out of nowhere, a huge, round, disc-shaped craft hovered over them no more than 20 feet from the ground. On the, under, on the underside, bright white lights moving in an anti-clockwise direction would light up the garden. Suddenly, a door opened in the dark metallic object, and a column of light reached down to the ground. As it did so, all four of the witnesses would report how time seemed to slow down and their surroundings became dreamlike. Steve would later recall it was as if we had entered a vacuum. All sounds seemed to have stopped and everything went into slow motion. The craft then moved away slowly at first, then with increasing pace. As they maintained their watch over it, all four began to feel intense nausea and stomach pains. The last point is particularly interesting as many who report similar encounters also report such immediate symptoms. Then Steve noticed the food on the barbecue, which itself was now cooling, had burnt to a crisp. A check of his watch revealed it was approaching midnight. What they thought had been a matter of minutes appeared to be almost an hour and a half. So then they went and uh, got some hypnotic regression. Mike would make a report to the police who would appear to treat the matter seriously, taking statements from all four people. They would also check if items were missing from the property. Bizarrely, two of the pint glasses wore and remain so even today. So they took two, two of their pint glasses. I wonder if there was any beer in it. Uh, I remember maybe the aliens wanted to test it out. 
uh, it would be the police who would refer the case to the aforementioned Dodd, himself a former police officer. This is the guy who wrote this book where this uh, story appeared. Utilizing the expertise of Joyce Dinsdale, all four of the witnesses would agree to hypnotic regression in an effort to unlock the events of that hot summer evening. Each would speak separately from the others, and each told the same story. They noticed the light shortly after lighting the barbecue. Distant at first, it would grow rapidly until it was practically on top of them, flashing as it did. The craft was round with a dome structure on the top. The lights on the underside of the craft were so bright, it would almost blind them. At this point, each of them stated their next memory memories were of realizing there were no they were no longer in the garden now here was debbie's uh what, what she remembered under hypnotic regression debbie would state during regression how all four of them were in the garden enjoying the warm temperature in the early summer evening she then recalled how she could see a flashing light she would recall how it was white flashing down toward us i'm frightened she would further recall how there was something above us something that was circular with very bright flashing lights she noticed that annie had also noticed a strange object object and was also staring at it in amazement pointing at it Debbie would go on to describe the object as round with a dome on top. On the bottom side were rotating lights of red, green, and white. She recalled how the lights were so bright that they were hurting my eyes. It was at this point in the session that Debbie began to become visibly distressed and upset. However, after several seconds, she calmed down once more. She would then state that I am on my own. I am not in the garden anymore. The light still shone brightly into her line of sight. I can see shadows, she would recall. I can see different colored lights. I can see eyes looking at me. They're big and black, not like ours. She would then declare her realization that she lay on something hard with my back raised. She could see movement about her, but could only describe them as shadows. Debbie would describe the roof of the room as being strange and coming down to the walls without adjoining. She would then become more even more upset and distressed to the point where the session was ended early. Dodd would write that it had obviously unleashed too much trauma to her. And then here's what Annie gave her account on her hypnosis. She would display the same intense fear and terror as her friend. She would describe how the craft was hovering above them before an intense light came from the underside lighting up the uh, from the underside lighting up the garden. After the column of column, column of light touched the ground, she would state a small figure dressed in a strange black cloak with a hood appeared in the garden. It's got a strange pale face with a pointed chin and very large black eyes. She would claim under regression two more of these beings appeared as if out of nowhere annie would recall they've got hold of my arms they're dragging me toward the light she also claimed that the beings appeared to communicate with you with each other by making strange animal-like grunting noises yeah if i heard this this that before i just want to stop there for a second i've heard there's a lot of different alien stories where uh sometimes they're communicating audibly instead of telepathically between each other and there's they sound like weird grunting sounds that's you know that would be terrifying wouldn't it anyway continuing here it says perhaps interestingly as she described being taken on board the craft her nervousness increased however similarly to debbie as she then recalled being inside the strange room she became suddenly calm might this have been the result of some kind of kind of calming drug or medication they were given by their abductors the next thing annie would recall she was in a round room with loads of people around the sides of the room they are little people they are all wearing cloaks with hoods she would describe much the same procedure as debbie including that the beings had three fingers and made a strange noise that left her unnerved she further recalled that the entities were touching her face and pulling her hair her hair and even removing her top 
Now, I just want to go back to that three fingers part. Now, I don't know about the strange noise. I'm, I'm assuming that the strange noise she's talking about is this grunting, animal grunting sounds. That's not what I heard. I heard what I heard. I heard a it was some sort of electronic humming sound. That It was constant the whole time. I've never heard anything like it before or since, whatever it was, but it was it scared the hell out of me. That's all I could tell you. But the thing that was in my room that night, whatever it was, I remember this. I was too afraid to pull that blanket down. I regret it in ways now, of course, as an adult. Uh, uh, but I wanted, I should have taken a look at the face, uh, but I was too afraid uh, because I was conscious. I was caught when, when this whole 20-minute episode, and just so to be clear here, my episode, right, it was not sleep paralysis. I was completely mobile. I was able to move around. I wasn't paralyzed. I know what sleep paralysis is, and I've had, I did have that on different occasions, but this was not sleep paralysis. I was able to move completely. There was something in that room. It had three fingers on its hand, and that was it, and it wasn't a human hand, I could tell you that, and this apparently is what these, these people saw. Now, if I would have pulled that blanket down and saw something there with a little hood, hood on with a pointed chin and big eyes i would I, I still would have thought it was the devil i, I tell you that i might have taken a heart attack at, at nine years old uh so i'm in a way i guess i'm glad i didn't pull that blanket down to see, to see what it was to see see what see the face and for all i know maybe i did see the face at some point that i don't have any maybe they maybe when they're bringing me maybe i was abducted at that point they brought me on a ship did a whole bunch of things and then put me back in bed and that's when i uh, woke up or maybe they were just about to take me or something and somehow they knocked me out well, I don't. I have no idea. I'm not even sure. Maybe I wasn't abducted. Who knows? Maybe they abduct, they abduct somebody else in my family. I don't know. But there was something in my room when I was a kid at, for that one, at least that one instance, right? And that's it, it. Sounds something like this: a little being with only three fingers, three digits on its hand. Anyway, continuing with this uh, article, it says here. Uh, a peachy light that hurt her eyes. She then seemingly recalled further details of the room around her. She described the walls as funny, round, and divided into squares. The light seemingly coming from the walls was peachy, she would state, and it continued to hurt her eyes immensely, even causing her vision to blur somewhat. It was at this point that her attention was brought back to the activity taking place around her. She noticed how one of them had a strange device in its hand that she described as a silver, small, square thing on a rod. She also noticed that the other one was scraping another instrument in between her toes. Annie would then recall how she could feel one of the strange entities injected, so, injected something into her neck as well as doing something horrible to her belly button. At this point, one of the creatures pushed its face much closer to hers. She recalled how it was really pale with long, black, slanting eyes. Then, her attention was brought back to her torso when she could feel something pressing down on her belly button. Let me just stop there. Now, again, this sounds some very similar to what happened uh, with the very first uh, uh, abduction that was uh, that the public learned about, the Betty and Barney Hill. She, they were doing something to her belly button. They were doing a, a, a pregnancy test. Uh, continuing here, it says, as she recalled... As she recalled these procedures, she began to become increasingly agitated and frightened. She told of, of how it felt as though they were touching her all over her body. The next thing she knew, she was standing in the garden, watching the craft turn into a mere speck of light in the distance. And then it talks about Steve and Mike, uh, their experiences. It says Annie's husband, Steve, would recall similar details. He would even state that night felt strange before he even noticed the strange light lights coming toward them. As the object approached... He noticed how his wife was screaming at his side. He recalled how there was bright flashing lights all around him before his mind suddenly jumped to him being inside the craft itself. Uh, 
After describing the same scenario of the craft descending upon them, he would recall being in a bright room with lots of little people. Like Annie, he would claim these beings were wearing cloaks with hood, with hoods. However, he would go on to say they were like black tinfoil, but not tinfoil. Steve would state to being in a transparent tube without seams while the small beings were all gathered around looking in at him. He would recall his removal from the tube and being taken over to another room. He would describe under hypnosis that it's a very big room. I can see all sorts in here. I can see loads of little people moving around. They've got white stuff like balls of white stuff in their hands. They're carrying it. I don't know what it is. He would also recall seeing a board on the wall with figures of planets on it. I can see Saturn, Earth, and all the planets. During this time, Steve appeared to be standing, although he couldn't move. At one stage, he even believed he had been taken onto another much bigger craft. And as he was... as. He, as he stood temporarily paralyzed, the strange entities around him continued to pull and grab, seemingly performing experiments and tests on him. And then it says, back in the garden. He was then back in the tube. At first, he believed he was on his own until he heard Annie screaming. At first, though, he couldn't see where she was. It was then he realized he was uh, looking upward toward the strange craft. Although it was motionless, the lights underneath were moving rapidly. He recalled how he felt as though he couldn't breathe and how he wanted to desperately stop looking at it, but something wouldn't allow him to do so. Then the craft began to move away from him, giving him, giving off a green light as it did so. He now found himself fully back in the garden. As he gasped for breath, he found himself back in the garden with Annie, Debbie, and Mike watching the craft disappear into the night sky. Dodd would write how Steve became increasingly unnerved the further into the, into the account he went although he would seemingly recover his calm upon coming out of hypnosis. Although Dinsdale attempted to regress Mike to recall his version of events, he became so terrified that they decided it would be unsafe to his mental health to proceed any further. Needless to say, this reaction alone shows that something alarming must have occurred that evening. Now, there's some more to this story, uh, and I, I'll leave the link if you want to check it out, but I think it's a very interesting... Another example, just another... Uh, just one more added to the notch of how many different stories we've heard from people over the over the years people who in this case of you know like many other people they don't want to give their real names because they don't want the because of the stigma surrounding it so uh of course this happened in 1995 in england and uh it's a very interesting case and i you know it, there is I, I wonder you know after reading this article i wonder if they were the same kind of creatures that were uh visit at my house back in the 70s could have been because uh, whatever that thing was that I saw, I could see uh, whatever it was. I could see clearly through that blanket. I could see its arm, right, and its hand. And its hand was not of uh, this thing was not human. Whatever it was, and it had only had three digits on its hand. Uh, that was it. And it wasn't. It wasn't even like a human hand. Whatever it was, it was very strange, and very scary. Uh, and some people ask me, well, why don't you go get hypnotized? And uh, I don't know if I want to. I'm not sure if I'd want to relive it. I might be like this Mike guy here. I might be too terrified to, to, to remember what happened, the full story. Uh, I, I don't think it's a nice thing that these things come creeping around people's houses in the middle of the night and, and, and do things to them without their permission like this. I think it's rotten. Uh, and uh, I, you know, you're, I, I would hate to relive, you know, go back to my mental state of, of being eight going on nine, going back to how I felt back then and how scared I was that night. I, I would hate to relive that again. It was very frightening. That, my experience was very frightening. 
and I don't want to. I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to know more. I, I I I don't know if I I would want to see one of these beings up close like that. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, for all I know, it's somewhere buried deep in my memory bank. I could that that I do. I did see that face, and if I was to get hypnotized. And, you know, pull the curtain back, I would see it, I would remember. I'm not sure if I want to remember. Because uh, it was it was frightening enough, I could say that. Okay, uh, anyway, I want to talk about, I received a comment from, uh, I, I get a lot of comments, of course, on YouTube and Spotify. And uh, yesterday I received a comment from someone on YouTube, Derek. He says, he doesn't like, he doesn't like the way I talk. He says, have you ever listened to yourself talk? You may share some good content, but calling people idiots, dummies, dum-dums. Some might say you are the dummy. I don't know. I don't make videos, but you ramble on and spend more time calling people fools than you do just sharing the info. Unless the content you are putting up is really just your opinions, more like a reaction video. I find myself watching you less and less. Uh, I don't know what to say to you, but... Uh, I think I've explained on this show, I don't know, maybe this wasn't your first time watching, but uh, for decades, right, one of the reasons I call people dummies, dum-dums, idiots, morons, uh, imbeciles, there's a whole cavalcade of, of different rotten names I call the skeptics and debunkers, right? There's a whole bunch. The reason I do this is because for decades, it's been the reverse. People have been calling the, the people who experience these things crackpots, crazy, drunks, druggies, all kinds of stuff, Right. Uh, when, when in reality, these people that, that had these experiences, they really had them because you know how I know, because I had them myself and I know, I know what I experienced was real, right? So I don't care if you don't like it, then don't, don't watch it. Get out of here. All right. <clears throat> uh, moving on. I want to check to, to go over some of the, uh, recent, uh, Spotify polls that I have done. Uh, and I'm going to go, so I'm going to start with one. I, I know I've already covered it, but I, it was pretty early when I covered it the first time. For the episode, the war to end the UFO secrecy, to end UFO secrecy continues to rage in Washington. I asked this question, does Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick need to be replaced as director of Arrow? 76 votes so far with 23 days left. Oh, 11 people or 14.5% say no. They want to give him another shot. Uh, and 65 people or 85.5% say yes. Uh, they they think he needs to be replaced. So, uh, um, I like I, I think I'm sure I said last time I'm with the yeses on that. I think he needs to go. I think we need some fresh blood in there. Uh, no more chances. No more chances. Go 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 go. Okay, uh, and then for the episode, incredible alleged 1896 alien encounter in California detailed, I asked the question, were extraterrestrials largely re largely responsible for the great airship mystery of 1896 and 1897? I have received 51 votes so far with 27 days left. 11 people, or 21.6%, say no, while 40 people, or 78.4%, say yes. Ah. Uh... You know what? I think that's a lot. Of, there's so many stories. If you go looking back at the historical records, you go back. Look, like I, right now, I have a subscription to newspapers.com, and I've been looking through them. There are a lot of stories, airship stories. Uh, a lot of them have to be hoaxes. I think that some of them were real. This is a hard one. Uh, I, 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 I might have to go with the nose on this one, actually, the, the minority, because based on what I've seen, there are so many stories, and some of them are, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I think that definitely extraterrestrials were involved in some of them, right? There, there's, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, 
I'm not sure. I might have to go with the minority on this one based on what I've seen. I think that some of them, I think the Aurora was real. I think the Aurora crash was real, for instance. Uh, the one that I was just talking about in that, that, that 1896 alien encounter, I think that that was potentially real. Uh, but then there was so many others, and, and some of them were fabrications, most certainly. So I'm going to have to go with the minority on that one, unfortunately, which is rare, which is rare. Okay, for the episode, Loeb's, Loeb KOs Neil deGrasse Tyson for discrediting serious UFO research. I ask this question, has a scientific community as a whole failed to do its part in demanding transparency from governments with regard to the UFO phenomenon? 88 votes so far, 25 days left. Only 5 people or 5.7% say no, while 83 people or 94.3% say yes. I have to most certainly agree with the majority on this because as a whole, now there are some scientists, as we know, even today, that are doing the good good work, like Avi Loeb, like Gary Nolan. Uh, there are some people out there that are serious about this and don't don't think it's a, something a laughing matter. Think that it's worthy of study. Uh, but uh, most most of them, most of them, for the most part, the scientific community has certainly failed. Certainly failed. I mean, they've been failing for a long time since uh, since the Condon report. There should have been a bigger outcry against that. The Condon report from 1968, which was a total absolute joke. And then for the episode, Loeb's Meteor is Interstellar slash Coltart slams mainstream for lousy UFO reporting. I asked this question. What is the biggest reason most mainstream news reporters do not take the UFO extraterrestrial phenomenon seriously? Uh, There's only six days left on this one for some reason. I thought I had more days, but uh, there's 39 votes so far. And uh, uh one person or 2.6% said no common sense. Another one person or 2.6% said stupidity. Three people or 7.7% say laziness. Uh, nine people or 23.1% say critical thought deficit. And um, uh, 25 people or 64.1% say all of the above. I'm going to go with all of the above. I think it's, uh, I think it's all of the above. Now, I did receive a comment from somebody about this and uh, uh, from Zach. And he says, my answer to the poll would be fear. I think their tiny brains only operate on fear. And the whole idea of this is terrifying to them. I probably should have had that in there. I should have had fear in there as a choice that I did not. Yeah, and you're probably right. So I didn't believe that some of them have a deep-seated fear uh, of this reality and they don't want to accept it. So... Oh, they, 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 they sit back and laugh about it and make fun of people who have experiences. Anyway, I want to say uh, thank you, everyone, for joining me again. Until next time.